have you guys been going from worst to first, or, or how you've been doing these? We just, we've gone first to worst by division. Oh, okay. It seems like we've been doing it for four years. <laughs> <laughs> Good morning, and welcome to episode 153 of Effectively Wild, the daily podcast from Baseball Prospectus. In New York, New York, I am Ben Lindbergh. In Long Beach, California, is Sam Miller. And in Brooklyn, New York, uh, with us again is Jay Jaffe. Hello, Jay. Hello. Jay is here to talk about the Dodgers. After we talk about the Dodgers with Jay, Pete Barrett will talk to Ken Gernick from MLB.com also about the Dodgers. Uh, so, Jay, at what point did, I guess, at what point did the Dodgers make most of their moves? Were you still writing at that point? Did you have to do a lot of adjusting of the, I had, the chapter? Yeah, yeah, I had to do a bit of adjusting. I mean, not only in terms of who was coming, but who was leaving. I mean, you know, guy, some of the guys who, who were the late season acquisitions that didn't, that didn't pan out, like Victorino, uh, was was uh, was still a Dodger when I submitted the chapter and he signed with, and he signed with Boston, um, but uh, I think you know for the most part the the team was I mean the Granky deal hadn't con- come down yet, um, the league one obviously had been done because that was the first thing just about the first thing that they did, but uh, you know it, I think the outlook changed significantly once they did land Granky even though it had been rumored for a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I guess if you look at their projections, uh, and we usually don't do predictions till the end of the of the segment, but if you look at their projections, Pakoda is of the opinion that all of the off-season remodeling they did worked or will work. Uh, they're projected to have the best record in baseball. Uh, do you think that that the team will come together like that, or is it is it kind of a, a bunch of parts that don't fit perfectly together? Are there still holes that you think need to be filled here? Well, I'm surprised that it, that it projects as the best as the best record uh, in in the entire majors. That seems a little bit of a stretch. But then when you think about it, I mean, I'm fairly bullish on this team because I, you know, I think that they've been underrated by uh, the fact that you know guys like Adrian Gonzalez and Hanley Ramirez. Uh, and you know didn't produce up to the level that was expected of them when they came over, but their career track records are much stronger, and we know better than to uh, you know base our assumptions on you know one or two months of of sample size. Um, I think they have some holes. There's definitely some question marks about the defense uh, on the left side, whether Hanley can handle shortstop again, whether Luis Cruz can repeat the showing that he made last year after being a career minor leaguer. Um, whether A.J. Ellis can be uh, as strong as he was offensively last year, and just who's going to shake out in that rotation because they've got eight eight candidates for five spots, uh, a couple question marks with injuries, uh, guys like Chad Billingsley and, and, and Ted Lilly, and then uh, the Korean, uh, Hyunjin Ryu, Ryu uh, as to you know, how, how, how he'll translate stateside. Uh, so, Jay, um, it's hard. We've talked on this show about how it's sort of hard to analyze any Dodgers moves right now because um, we don't know exactly where the uh, the limit on their spending is. And it seems like at times that they have more money than there are actual players to go around. And so, um, you know, it's hard to, to knock them for spending a lot. But um, two questions along those lines. One is um, of the moves they made this offseason, um, how do you sort of um, evaluate each of them 
uh, within the context of the team's budget? And secondly, um, do you think that they have, uh, do they still have the ability to, to add bullets as the season goes on if, if it turns out that they feel that there are pieces available at the trade deadline, if they feel that there are weaknesses? Do you think that they still have room either in their budget or in their farm system or a combination of both to get better in July? Well, this, I think the the second question is is pretty easy to answer, and that, which is yes, I think they, they they're still firing money out of a t-shirt cannon. Um, they there's there's a lot that they can do there. Uh, and now I've forgotten the first question in answering that. Uh, <laughs> sorry, guys. No, the uh, it's it's tough to evaluate, you know, what they're doing when you've got no upper limit. But we can you know we can look at transaction by transaction and and. You know, get a sense of, of where they're going. I mean, looking at the Brandon League deal, that that one looked fairly exorbitant. Uh, I think it's three years and twenty something million. Uh, that one looked fairly exorbitant, especially for a team that already had two fairly established closers. But um, you know, when you don't have a limit and you just and you just want to stock your bullpen with more arms, well, that you know starts to become a pretty fearsome looking. Uh, end game unit when you figure out that, you know that all those guys are going to be in there much in the same way that signing Rafael Soriano uh, for the Nationals, who's better pitcher than the league. Uh, don't get me wrong, but when you when you add that to Clifford and Store in there, suddenly it's a you know you've you've put the you know you've moved the questionable seventh and eighth inning guys to the sixth and seventh innings or whatever. Uh, you've made the unit that much stronger. So I think that's that's fairly strong there. Uh, what I wonder, though, is about their depth in the early going, uh, particularly given Carl, the injuries of Carl Crawford and Matt Kemp. Crawford had the setback with Tommy John surgery, and you look, they don't really have a ton of uh, extra outfielders lying around. They've got Yasiel Puig, who's clearly uh, turning some heads in, in uh, Arizona right now, but he's not assumed to be ready. Uh, from there, you go. You drop down a, a far ways to guys like Jerry Harrison Jr. Uh, and Skip Schumacher. Uh, you know, in terms of extra outfielders, if one of those guys can't go. Um, uh, regarding league and the bullpen, uh, I imagine that if we polled BP readers on who's better between league and Jansen, we would get like a ninety-eight percent response rate in favor of Jansen. So. Um, what is the thinking there? Uh, is I, I guess that's the question because I, I don't actually know what the thinking is there. Yeah, you, you know when 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 league came over, the Dodgers did re, did tweak his mechanics somewhat, and after they did, uh, which was a short time after he showed up, his last like twenty innings or so uh, were just were dynamite. I mean he he didn't allow he allowed let's see one run. From August 17th onward, uh, a span of 22 and a third innings with 22 strikeouts and 11 walks and only eight hits. I mean, there's obviously a fair bit of luck on batting averages on balls in play there, um, but you can see that they thought they were that they had recovered a better pitcher than the one they actually traded for, and they wanted to to reap that advantage going forward. I think that's the best explanation I can give it. I still think Kenley Jansen is probably the better pitcher, but you know, we know that, that the ninth inning guy doesn't have to be the best. If you've got Jansen able to do, you know, to pitch four or five, six outs at times, uh, that may actually serve the Dodgers needs better. 
than if he were stuck in the ninth inning role anyway. So, so far as you know, this doesn't have anything to do with uh, Jansen's health. Not that I know of. I mean, he had that that uh, heart irregularity that uh, I believe was corrected uh, surgically after the season. So um, I don't think that, uh, that that's a factor going forward. It's funny that you lumped in Kemp and, and Crawford as kind of shaky health uh, situation outfielders. I mean, do you think of Kemp as someone whose health is a concern uh, going forward? Because, I mean, I... Yeah, yes, I do. Yeah, I do. I mean, the shoulder surgery he had was not trivial. It was actually worse than than expected once they got in there. Mm -hmm. Um, I've had labrum surgery. I can tell you my arm's never been the same. Granted, I probably didn't get the same level of... Uh, you know, level of, of treatment and service that Kemp did, and I, you know, I'd already lost a few miles now on my fastball. But you know, I think it, it it takes a long time to recover from labrum surgery. It's like a five month, four or five month rehab period, and and you know, I haven't seen what I haven't seen Kemp hit yet. I don't know how he's feeling, but I do worry, you know, just just where he might be. I wouldn't be surprised at all if he experiences a setback somewhere between here and opening day. Uh, and I don't expect him to be a 40 homer threat uh, the coming year. I think it's going to take a while for him to recover his power. Um, so, you know, I'm a, I'm a bit more pessimistic than most just based on that knowledge. Why did you have labrum surgery, Jay? Uh, because I made a pretty silly uh, error in judgment jumping into a swimming pool onto a flotation mat. Uh, <laughs> or in the service of creating uh, some kind of horseplay Olympics. <laughs> Uh, that uh, just did not end well. So tore up my shoulder, needed a surgery, and I probably have another surgery in there based on the sort of dings and dents that have happened since then. I thought it was one of those winters when you had three chapters in the annual and you were... You were... <laughs> yes, yes. <I> was... <laughs> and Steve, Steve Golden was my was, was Joe Torrey to right. my Scott doctor. <laughs> right. Um, there's been some, some buzz lately about a, a Kershaw extension, uh, he has the same agent, I believe, as Zach Greinke. Do you think that something will get worked out anytime soon? And if so, do you have any sort of ballpark figure for years or dollars or, or what you think that he'll get in his next deal? I think it'll happen. I don't think it's going to happen before opening day. So I suspect it'll happen sometime after the season next winter when 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 the reckoning is uh, you know closer to being due. Uh, but I do think it'll happen. I don't know that. I don't, I don't know that he'll get the two hundred million dollars that that some people have have cited in the wake of you know the next step beyond Felix Hernandez. Um, I think Verlander will get to two hundred million before Kershaw was. It seems like it's a pretty big leap to get there. Um, but I do think that he will be. He will surpass both of those guys. Will surpass Felix because that's how these deals work. Um, you know, you, everybody want, you know, everybody in their agent wants to be able to, to walk away saying, I got my guy, the biggest deal total or the big, the highest average annual value. You know, it's all a, you know, in some ways it's a, you know, dick measuring contest in that regard. Um, <clears throat> and, and Gonzalez and, and Beckett, you mentioned, I think Pakoda is, is pretty optimistic about both of those guys as as projection systems are about people who were very good and, and have fallen on harder times recently. Uh, so you kind of think of them the same way. Do you think there's still stardom left for at least Gonzalez, possibly? Well, you know, 
yeah, I think Gonzalez will, will come around eventually. I mean, he's he's shown uh, problem that he's had problems adapting to new environments and over the course of his career, which you know, for a guy who's been traded several times, is no no trivial issue. Um, as for Beckett, I mean, I think getting out of the AL East is a is a big deal. Uh, last year, I wrote a wrote a piece about how he really struggled to put together back to back good years and always seemed to be much worse in even numbered years than odd numbered years. Um, I like a like a Brett Saberhagen pattern, but even more extreme. Um, I think he'll be better. I think he's he's. It sounds at least if you listen to him in the interviews, it sounds like he's recognized that he's not the same pitcher he was you know, circa 2007, and then he has to figure out new ways of, of uh, you know, faking hitters out. Uh, you know, whether he can adapt remains to be seen, but I think at least he's acknowledged that that, that something has to change, and maybe we saw a few signs of that, uh, or signs of both that and the escape from the AL East after he came over, because he pitched pretty well uh, in his seven starts for them. So, I think there's reason to be optimistic there without expecting him to be, you know, a true front of the rotation guy, that he can be better than he showed uh, towards the end in Boston. And is D. Gordon going to play a significant role for, for the team this year or any year, do you think? I don't. I, I doubt it. I mean, I think the most plausible scenario is if Hanley can't handle shortstop and Luis Cruz isn't hitting, then they move Hanley to third base and give Gordon another shot. But I have to think he's pretty down to the wire in terms of uh, what kind of chances he's got. You know, he's this is a guy who just hasn't been able to hit major league pitching with any real strength. Um, and is, you know, if he can't get on first base, he can't utilize his, you know, his best asset, his speed. Uh, and his defense has been, you know, completely scattershot. So uh, I don't think there are many people who are that high on D Gordon anymore. I suspect He's one of those guys that's quickly going to be going to, going to be labeled a change of scenery candidate uh, and maybe a future uh, second division player at best. Both of those scenarios that you laid out, though, seem fairly likely to happen between Cruz and, and, and Hanley. So um, best guess, who's playing short and who's playing third for the Dodgers in the uh, first round of the playoffs? Mm, I'll say Hanley at Hanley at third base and then and and a player to be named later at shortstop, somebody from outside the organization. All right. All right. Um, so we did Prakota's prediction. Projection. What's what's yours, wins-wise, and, and finish in the division? I, I see them as the first-place team in the division. I think, there's to me, there's a, there's a clear separation between them and the Giants, whose who's off-season plan I've, I've, I've questioned several times, especially on the offensive side. Uh, 94 wins, as Pakoda's projecting, seems seems a bit high to me. Uh, I would go with about 92, uh, but I think that's 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 pretty reasonable, and I think they'll still have at least a bit of breathing room. All right, uh, thank you, Jay. All right, uh, and now after the intro, Pete will talk to Ken Gernick from MLB.com. It may still be winter. But Baseball Prospectus is ready to play ball. Pete Barrett is taking you around the league with 30 insiders who cover Major League Baseball. Step into the box. The squeeze is on. And joining us today on The Squeeze to talk Dodgers baseball is Ken Gernick, who covers the Dodgers for MLB.com. Ken, how you doing? Doing good. 
finally warmed up here in Arizona, so uh, we're all doing good. Good, good. Thanks for joining us. Um, Glendale, Arizona is where Dodgers camp is now and where you are, but do you miss Dodger Town in Vero Beach? Well, personally, I do, because I was going there for quite a few years, and uh, you know, I, the, the complex here in Arizona is probably better, better suited for a spring training camp, but the one at Dodger Town just, uh, you know, just kind of oozed history, and, uh, and and you knew that you were uh, in a place of legends, you know, from the past. So uh, I kind of missed the, the historic element of uh, Dodger Town, but uh, Arizona is a lot more convenient. Absolutely, yeah. I had a chance to go down to Dodger Town five years ago, I think, with my dad. It was just, it was a great experience. Loved the way that there were no dugouts and all the players just. Basically standing up on the field next to the fans. It was pretty cool to see. Um, the top of the rotation this year, we talked about history. This could be a historic top of the rotation. you got Granke and Kershaw, uh, top of the rotation for the Dodgers. Do you think that's the best in baseball? Well, I don't know. There's, uh, there are a few good ones, uh, but I think if, uh, if they're both healthy, you know, I, I think we saw with Kershaw uh, really now uh, joining Granke as far as year after year, you can, you can depend on him. And uh, that was really the, the goal, was to, to create a situation uh, much like the Dodger great teams of the past when you have Koufax and Drysdale and when you have uh, Fernando and Hershiser. You've got a, a left-right combination at the top that your opponent doesn't want to face either one of them. And, and that's what you want uh, when you're building a team not just to win the division but to go all the way. Right. That makes sense. Um Don Mattingly at the helm now a few years uh, the top of the Dodgers. How good of a manager do you think he is, in your opinion? And, and what kind of camp does he like to run? Well, I guess, uh, you know, if you're judging based on winning, we don't know because he hasn't done that. But, uh, you know, in his defense, he hasn't had a full deck to play with. Uh, you know, the team was really patched together his first two years. Uh, so I guess we're going to find out this year because there really won't be much in the way of excuses. They've spent a gazillion dollars and they've gotten uh, almost every hole filled. So uh, we're going to find out, I, I guess, you know, and, and he'll find out and the management will find out if, if he's going to be the manager of the future here. As far as the camp that he runs, the players like him. He's a player's manager. He treats them with respect. He treats them as grown-ups. Uh, it's not a, a, an iron fist kind of disciplinarian situation unless you get out of line, and then he'll come down on you. But overall, he, uh, having been a great player and a player who's, uh, who's been around a while, he understands how you treat people. He understands how you treat veterans versus young players. And uh, there just seems to be a universal like of Don Mattingly uh, among his players. You talked about the big spending. There's not really going to be many excuses uh, there's a lot of talk about how you can't just spend and buy a championship. But have the Dodgers done more than just pay a lot of guys a lot of money? Do you see this working out? Well, you know, I think it really comes down to injuries. You know, you can spend a lot of money, but you can't guarantee that, that players won't go down. And, uh, you know, no matter how much you spend, you know, they, they spent a lot on that camp. And then he got hurt. And he was the big bat in the lineup. If you lose key players like that, if you lose Kershaw or Granke or Kemp again, uh, you're going to be in trouble. That's just the way it is. Uh, you know, what, they, what they, they've done now is they've, they've uh, bolstered this roster and surrounded the Kemp's and the Kershaw's with the Grankies and the, 
uh, uh, Henley Ramirez and uh, Carl Crawford, if he's healthy, Adrian Gonzalez. You know, they've they've got along with uh, with Andre Heath here. They've got a, a loaded lineup with five All Stars uh, in their everyday lineup. So uh, there isn't that much uh, dependent on one player or one pitcher, and that's really the goal. And it, it happened to cost a lot of money to do it. I don't think they set out just to spend money. I think they set out to, to get winning ball players, proven players, because they want to win right now. Last season, of course, the Major League Baseball added an extra wild card in each league. Do you see maybe an extra wild card coming out of the West this year? Whether like the, the you'd see the Giants and the Dodgers both going to the playoffs? Well, you know, again, you never really know. It's. Uh, I, I'm not great at predicting uh, in February or March what's going to happen in October, but uh, uh, I think that this division ha- has never been as easy as uh, people around the country might believe it is. The Giants just seem to find a way year after year of being there at the end. Uh, the Dodgers are trying really hard to uh, to catch them and pass them. Um, you know, with San Diego and Arizona, Colorado, you just never know what you're going to get. They... Uh, uh, and, and a lot of that has to do with money. You know, they just don't have the money to compete with the Dodgers and the Yankees and and, and Boston and some of those teams. So they have to uh, they have to develop their own their own stars, and that's not so easy. And in Colorado, you've got the uh, the, the added quirk of the uh, the altitude, the elevation. It's hard for them to draw free agent pitchers. So. Uh, you know, it's interesting, I think, what the uh, Diamondbacks have done this year, and they're trying to, to uh, create more of a Kirk Gibson-type team. Uh, it's it's not going to be an easy division, and part of the problem there is when they beat up on each other, that uh, diminishes the chance of, of a wild card coming out of that division. Yeah, it does. Ken, you can be followed on Twitter, at Ken Gernick. Everybody listening should definitely do that. We're going to be following your coverage of the Dodgers throughout the season, and thank you so much for joining us today. Hey, my pleasure.